the grossest part about this is that in the 1940s, a man named Dr. Walter Freeman of Philadelphia developed a technique to perform a lobotomy quickly by inserting an ice pick through a tear duct. <gasps> ah, no. Yes. Wait, Did you that? see that? <gasps> what? Yeah. What is this? What's going on? I don't know. This is a part that's scary because nothing's happening. Oh! <laughs> Shut up. Oh my gosh. No! No! That was scary. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. makes yeah i think that that's the sound that elon musk elon is that how you say his name elon musk elon musk makes when he when he launches things he's a giant five-year-old child yeah he really is he really and i love it it's awesome but man is he a big child i'd like to shake his hand and be like congratulations on being the the kid and big because i'm pretty sure that's what happened if you don't know, if you're listening and you don't know who Elon Musk is, he's the man who created Tesla. Yeah, Those he's really beautiful cars SpaceX that you have to plug dude. in everywhere. The yeah. SpaceX dude did who you put hear, a car in space. Did you hear that one of the one of the Tesla owners was whining on Twitter about a specific place in California, in Silicon Valley, where the plugs are always full? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't hear about this. And Tesla, uh, Elon Musk read it on Twitter and he was like, all right, we'll fix that. And so he sent out a program to all the Teslas that says, if you charge your battery and it gets full and you don't unplug it within 20 minutes, you'll get a fine charged to your account. Whoa. (laughs) So it was like a Whole Foods and all this other stuff at a parking lot and like a shopping center. And there's a whole bunch of Tesla plug places what? And apparently these Tesla owners were charging their cars and then they'd go shopping for hours and other Tesla owners would come in and they're like, I can't charge my Tesla. I mean, I got to be honest, I can't relate to this problem. I can't either. And I think it's really funny that somebody whined about it on Twitter. Like, but oh, I do yeah. think it's excellent service, though, that Elon Musk was like, I got you. Yeah, I got you. I have to be honest. He won me over with the boring flamethrower. <laughs> like. How how amazing does a person have to be? And then he was like, oh, it turns out you can't get something labeled flamethrower through customs. So we're going to call it, it was like an ignition assistant or something. Yeah. <laughs> like it was something crazy. And I was like, brilliant. This man's brilliant. And a yeah. child, but brilliant. Yeah. So. He's pretty much got so much money and so much brains that he can do anything he wants to do and get away with it. And what he wants is flamethrowers and cars in space. <laughs> That's right. With it, by the way, nerd alert, guys. In that car, he has a towel. And um, what is it? Something that says don't panic or something. I don't know. A towel from Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide to, to the Galaxy. Yeah. Because that's all you need is a towel. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. You said, car, you said cars in space, and the only thing that went through my head was my throwback days to being a kid watching Muppets. 
In space. Pigs in space. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, I just watched it like last week because. Are you serious? <laughs> the kids freaking love the Muppets. Dude, Pigs in so, Space was my jam. I love yeah. Pigs in Space. It was awesome. I like and the I, one with, and this isn't Pigs in Space, but it's the Muppets. It's when they've got the one, I don't remember what the singer's name is, but she's singing that tall and tan and young and lovely, that one. And it's yeah. this like seven foot pipe cleaner armed, like <laughs> tall man doing this like wavy dance. And it's, and she's all serious like, <gasps> and he's like. The Muppets were the best, man. They were. They were. And Fraggle Rock, oh, dude, I loved freaking Fraggle Rock. That was my one of my favorite shows ever on yeah. TV. So good. Really good. Yep. Welcome, welcome to Girls and Ghouls, guys. Hey. <laughs> do you know what I realized that we don't what? do and we don't have in our intro? What? Our names. We don't introduce ourselves ever. Ever? Nope. I went through. We're the mysterious voices. Even the first one, I think we said our names once. <laughs> well, that's funny. We just like to leave you guessing. So take a guess who we are, guys. <laughs> who do you want to be today, Kirsten? <clears throat> I want to be, I don't know, I want to be Adelaide. <laughs> Adelaide? Yeah, it's a name I read in a story. Okay. Adelaide. <laughs> well, it turns out my Anne of Green Gables name is Muriel. So I will be Muriel today. <laughs> Is that how you're going to say it every time? The only way that's Muriel. Muriel. Like, you know, you have to really force it out. Like something stinks. Like, yeah. Muriel. Muriel. <laughs> Muriel, tell me a story. <laughs> should we tell them our names? I guess we can. I guess we probably should. I'm Kirsten. I am not Kirsten. I'm she's, Aaron. She's Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. I just assume people know our names. <laughs> I know. Well, I thought the same thing, and I was, and it didn't hit me until I looked at all the transcripts, and I was like, oh, yeah. we don't say our names ever. So for new people that have wondered all this time who we are. I don't think they care. They're just here they for the ghost care. stories. They care. No. They wouldn't use us <laughs> like that. They care. See, here's the thing. We've been podcasting for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. On our business podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's in the intro who we are and people just know who we are because they listen every week. And it's just, yeah, I didn't think about it. Yeah. I just assume that you guys know who we are. So because now you should know. Now you know. We're never going to say it again. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to know. We're part of the Men in Black agency. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasters in black. That's right. <laughs> it's what need it is. Some- need some dark sunglasses yes if you guys have not watched that go on youtube and go to buzzfeed unsolved and watch the one they did about the real life men in black because it's creepy do it it is it's really interesting though you will end up on a rabbit trail though because as soon as you watch that you're going to want to know more yeah and there's so much weird stuff so not that I've ever wasted several hours trying to figure out how I could prove the men in black exist. You've just heard. I've just heard from other happens. people, from other lonely, sad people who don't have lives. Not me. Right. I'm far too busy. Far too busy. Far too busy. To I wish you guys that. could see us right now. Well, actually, I don't because I no. look like a hot mess. Please but don't. it's just funny because what I can see of Aaron 
Mm-hmm. She's got a t-shirt on with a cat on it, and I can only see from, like, the eyeballs up, so it looks like she has a cat <laughs> sitting in her lap staring at me. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I don't. It's my cat hair t-shirt from Aaron's yeah. Animals. <laughs> this, like, really amazing, like, film person who makes all his animals do, like, dancing and... That's awesome. World domination and whatnot. This is this is turning into a very like vulnerable telling episode already. Like yeah. I'm like, listen, here's what I do. I'm lonely and miserable. So <laughs> no, see that's the problem. You're not lonely. You have three sons and a husband yeah. so and multiple animals. So you're like, listen, I just need some quiet time to go down the rabbit hole of Buzzfeed Unsolved. That's, that's right. all I want in life. That's all I need. And wear my cat hair T-shirt. That's all I need. That's it. That glass yeah. of sweet tea, and I'm done. I'm good. Done. Good. Do you know what I did the other day? What? While I was researching for ghost stories. What? I put my headphones on, like my big ones, my space yeah. ones, and sat in the living room with nothing playing, but the kids all thought that I was listening to something, so no one talked to me. <laughs> That's amazing. It was a beautiful 20 And minutes. they're noise canceling, so it mm-hmm. made things even quieter for you. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Yep. It was so good. <laughs> and because I was down there, they were like, well, we can't do anything bad because you can still see us. They're so used to us talking all the time. Yeah, they just that assume. They're like, oh, mom's working. Yeah, they just assume. They're like, oh. You just need to take a screenshot of us on a Zoom call. And anytime me. they walk behind me, I'll just like blow it up. Yeah, you could put it up and they'll just see me with my <laughs> headphones on and they'll think that you're talking to me and we're working. I'll just put it up. I'll put it up as my, like, wallpaper. Yeah, there you go. It's all just be me, me. Yeah. chewing my lip. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's what I that, want. That would be hilarious. That's what I, I want. I think that sounds perfect. Yes. <laughs> so, you ready? Yeah, you want to get ghosty? Yeah, I'm ready. I, did, I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. My daughter was on it, and it was a lot of fun to have her on. She really enjoyed being on here. She wants to do more of them this summer. Oh, yay. But I told her she's got to bring, like, her A game. Yeah. We're going to do, like, a legit story. Legit. With well-researched information we'll have information we'll have her do stories we'll have gideon narrate like (laughs) in his animal voice which he thinks is it is pretty terrifying but all right i think you're going first this week i'm going first all right all right so today my friends we're going to journey together to west virginia To visit the site of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. (sighs) The deep sigh. I mean, do we have to? I mean, there are some nice bed and breakfast there. We do have to. This uh, is where we're going. All right. It's where we're going, Erin. So buckle up. Buckle up. (laughs) Buckle up, buttercup. So the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was constructed between 1858 and 1881. It's massive. It's very much like Penhurst that you talked about in the first episode. It's massive. It's the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America and is purportedly the second largest in the world next to the Kremlin. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know. It's a a little Modest little place. I mean, you, you, you know. The cool thing about this place was when they built it, they wanted it to be self-sufficient. So there was also a farm. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's kind of cool. They had a farm. They had a dairy. Yeah. They had a waterworks. They had a cemetery because, yeah. you know, it's a hospital. People die. 
It was all located on the grounds. And here's a fun fact. The total property size is 666 acres. That See, that's a problem. This is a yeah. problem. See, this is already not going in, in good directions for me because this is how right? Pennhurst started minus the 666. Yeah. So I'm just... So they're like, you know what? Screw it. Right from the get-go, we're going to be We're just going to set this up evil failure. Right? Yeah. So 666 acres in total for the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia. So when it was designed, they actually consulted with a psychiatrist in Philadelphia. And the architecture was designed to have a curative effect on patients. So the wings are really long and there's huge windows and they have a lot of access to light and fresh air. So they had good intentions. Of course, the road to hell is always paved with good intentions, but whatever. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Um, It opened to patients in 1864 and it was designed to hold 250 patients in solitude. But guess what? Guess what, Erin? Can you guess what happened? (sighs) They kept it at a modest 245. (laughs) Yeah, we'd like to think so. Um, The hospital held 717 patients by 1880. Oh. Over 1,800 in 1949, and at its peak, 2,600 patients in the 50s. They were just, like, stacking patients on top of each other. yeah. Sticking them in broom closets. They were doing pretty bad things to them is what they were doing. So So not sticking them in closets. Nope. Sticking them in cages. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, let's see. Um, a 1938 report by report by a survey committee, um, they found, they went through the records and found that some of the things that people were put into the asylum for were epileptics, alcoholics, mm-hmm. drug addicts, and non-educable mm-hmm. mental defectives, is what they were called. Um, patients who could not be controlled were locked in cages and left there for days. That'd be me. Okay. <laughs> Let me out. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, in the cage. Get in the cage. Um, in 1949, the Charleston Gazette uh, published a report um, about the asylum and said that they found poor sanitation and insufficient furniture, <laughs> which I'm assuming means because of the overcrowding, they didn't have enough beds. They're like, less than this. But it's just funny the way. It's like, less than this. much better with a nightstand. It really would. This bed does not go with the walls. We really need to fix this. Um, there was no heating in most of the complex, although oh. there was one wing that had been rebuilt in 1935 after a fire was started by the patient, and that one wing was luxurious. Wow. It was like top notch, but the rest of the hospital was just trash, literally, like it was falling apart. Let's see. It was finally closed in 1994. So this was like, it went on for a very long, long, long time. 1994, it was finally closed. Um, And the closure of it had a devastating effect on the local economy in this particular town because it was such a huge place and employed so many people. But they finally closed it because the building itself was deteriorating and there were changes in the treatment of mental illness. So they no longer needed the facility. Um, so some of the other documented reasons for admittance here from 1864 to 1889 included laziness, egotism, disappointed love. Oh, it gets better. Female disease. Female disease. 
We've talked about this. Remember, we like if you're like going through menopause. Oh yes, they think they think something's wrong with you. Like you're crazy. Well, I mean, there is, but <clears throat> mental excitement, <laughs> imaginary female trouble. Oh, my these are documented. Gosh. Like these, this was written in the books. Gathering in the head. I don't what even is, know what that means. What gathering in the head? This one's my favorite. Exposure and quackery. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, also, masturbation. Bummer. And bad habits. And those, are those the same? Like, Those are separate. <laughs> oh, it was like, okay. Um, a lot of men used the asylum to drop off their women, their, their wives and children. If they were just tired of them, they would make up something and drop them off there and leave them. <laughs> that was what? very common practice, like to get out of their marriage. That's what they would do. It was what? frowned upon to get divorced back then. It's still frowned upon, but it was frowned upon even more to get divorced back then. So instead of divorcing them, they're like, she's crazy, and so are these children. Here you go. So are these just children. Take yeah. this infant. It's crazy. Yes. Um, oh there was gosh. a lot of disease that ran through the asylum, especially in the late 1800s. Um, chronic dementia, acute mania, and melancholy, and... Um, Tuberculosis was a big problem. A lot of people died from the flu and from tuberculosis uh, over the years. A lot of that. Um, let's see. There were also were buckets and throwing it on the floor. Exactly. Gross. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. It says one honest man was listed with quote masturbation for thirty years. Aww. <laughs> Poor man it was just lonely. Bless him. <laughs> yeah. People were committed because of deranged masturbation. Desertion by husband. Yeah, deranged. Like, I don't understand. Like, are they pulling it off? I don't know what they're like, what that means. They're like screaming. Yes. <laughs> Desertion by husband, immoral life, marriage of son. We'll just leave that one right there. Ooh, Novel reading. That. Novel reading. Oh, I would Aaron, committed. Aaron, you got to go. times over. Political excitement. <laughs> religious enthusiasm boy these people are rolling in their graves i know superstition we're recording this on friday the 13th guys <gasps> no <laughs> i didn't even realize that's why the cats are all gathering plotting oh yep. man uterine derangement <laughs> and vicious vices in early life what like is uterine derangement <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They just made this shit up, okay? You they just made it up. I gotta look that up. Okay, I don't know that I want to look. I don't know that I'd want that. Put that on private. I don't know that you want that in your search history. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> um. Okay. So, like I said, a lot of people died from tuberculosis. Um. Several confinement cages were also used in the asylum, which I mentioned a minute ago. If you were unruly, you got put in a cage. Um. So now let's get to some of the treatment stuff, some of the things that actually happened inside of this lovely facility. Um, when authorities thought a patient might be imbalanced because of fluids in their brain, they would spin them around really fast in a chair. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Say this one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> for the people in the back. When people thought, when the authorities thought a patient was imbalanced because of fluids on the brain, they would spin them around really fast in a chair. I'm not making this up. I swear. 
It's I, so funny because Aaron sees worst. me on Zoom calls all the time, spinning around in my chair. I love it. Are you I trying spin to around in my chair? I'm balancing my fluids. That's all. <laughs> oh my gosh! Isn't that the best? They're like, That's... oh, this patient needs some help. Just spin, spin him around <laughs> to the spinner. Uh, That's yep. bloodletting was also done as a possible cure for different yeah. things. That was pretty common. Exorcism was practiced go. to drive out the devil. I mean, that makes sense. Trepanation, which is... I had never heard of. Trepanation. It was a gruesome practice in which doctors would, you ready? You're mm. going to gross out. Drill out a portion of the skull and poke around. Oh, yes. <clears throat> I've heard of just like, practice. we don't really know what's going on. We're just going to poke and see what yes. happens. This one, well, okay. So they would also do hydrotherapy treatments that involved icy showers and ice water baths. That's um, nice. The worst, though, is the lobotomies. They did a oh. lot of frontal lobotomies. Yeah. But the grossest part about this is that in the 1940s, a man named Dr. Walter Freeman of Philadelphia developed a technique to perform a lobotomy quickly by inserting an ice pick through a tear duct. <gasps> ah! Yes. And it is on record that in 12 days at this particular asylum, he performed 225 ice pick lobotomies. No. See, that's messed up. In 12 days. That's messed up. I don't, I don't like this dude. He's, he's not nice. <sighs> the asylum's first nine patients on record were women probably suffering from menopause. Well, that sucks. Yep. Um, in 1985, so the Charleston Gazette did their first report in 1949. They came back in 1985 and did another report and exposed the asylum. Um, they said that court-appointed inspectors found the asylum to be dirty and unkempt with many patients left naked and confined to dirty wards with bathrooms smeared with feces. So a standard Walmart restroom. Okay. Pretty much. Gotcha. Just naked people. Just poop naked everywhere. people. And- yeah. Um, in 1992, they did another article and talked about the horrendous conditions of the asylum. Um, that same year, a patient named George Edward Bodie died after a fight with another patient named David Michael Mason. Uh, another patient, Brian Scott B., committed suicide, and his badly decomposing body was not found for eight days. <gasps> oh, my gosh. What? I know. Yeah. I mean, well, you've got that many people in there, but... I know. But still. Yeah. Like, yeah, this was his... This was in 92 that that happened. So two years later is when they closed it down. They're like, okay, this is enough. In 1963, a woman named Muriel. How about that? Muriel Creamer. She was an African-American housewife from Charlestown, West Virginia. She was admitted to the hospital. She never came home. On May 25th of that year, she was found dead in her room in Ward C. A psychiatric aide found her when she was doing a routine bed check. Um, they initially thought that she had committed suicide, but earlier in the day, she had been strapped to her bed by hospital attendants and bound at the waist and feet. Um, she had a piece of muslin cloth about her neck. Her death certificate listed her cause of death as homicide by strangulation. Um, they weren't sure who killed her. It says some reports say that her roommate was either found standing over her body or at the other side of the room. In any event, when questioned, her roommate freely admitted that she had strangled her. She claimed that Creamer had, quote, made improper advances toward her. I mean, how yeah. is it tough? So, um, another employee, this one's really sad. This one's so sad. 
a, a former employee told of a murder in Ward F. Two murderers killed two men. First, they hung them. And when they didn't die from hanging, they brought in metal coat hangers or metal from the bed frames and stuck it through their heads to oh finish the deed. Oh, my God. Um, one of the murderers was a serial killer, and that's why he was in there. Um, the victims, though, were both mentally ill and had the capacity, the brain capacity of a child. Oh, and earlier no. in the day, they were sitting at the foot of the nurse coloring and coloring books. Oh, no. Um, re- very sad. There was another really, this one's awful. Dean was a mute mm-hmm. who was in the asylum. Um, his roommates hung him from the ceiling with a bed sheet and beat him. And then when they realized they were going to get in trouble, they decided they'd better kill him. So while he was unconscious, this is so bad. And I'm going to, I'll just say it fast and then we're going to move on. They laid him on the floor. They put a leg of the bed on his head and they stand. (gasps) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And one of the, one of his roommates that killed him ran down the room and said there was a ghost in their room and that's who killed Dean. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Awful. They, yeah. Awful. We're not going to linger on that. Um, we're going to move on cause that's awful. Anyway, hauntings. Let's so this place this. has a lot of negative stuff going on. Just mm-hmm. a lot of negative stuff. Um, there is one of the most well-known spirits. There is a little girl named Lily. She wanders the halls, apparently looking for a playmate. She makes herself known to visitors in a lot of different ways. There's one room that they have in the asylum dedicated to Lily. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's toys in there. And she moves those a lot. Like, there's multiple videos of, like, the balls rolling around by themselves in an erratic pattern. Not like a normal ball would roll across the floor. It, like, right. moves around in a circle. There's stuff that gets knocked over and pushed and whatever. Um According to legend, she was a little girl who was either brought as a young girl to the asylum or she was born there. Maybe her mother was a patient there and she was born there and she lived there and she died when she was nine from tuberculosis. So um, they have this room. They have one of those little music boxes with the ballerina in it and Mm -hmm. it'll just play by itself from time to time. Um, people say that they feel her hold their hand or they tug at their skirts, especially women. She'll tug at their skirts. Um, balls are scattered about. She moves these on command. She's often heard giggling. Um, she loves to play with visitors. She loves it. Um, there was actually a group of women investigators who went there and they took a box of Cracker Jacks and set it on the edge of the sink. And they said that the Cracker Jacks fell into the sink spun around multiple times and then got back up on the sink. And then on their EVP, you can hear somebody crunching and says, thanks for the snacks. Oh man. Even though the box was never opened, it was like she could taste the Cracker Jacks, but you hear a little girl say thanks for the snacks on their EVP. Oh, wow. Um, another spirit is a older woman named Ruth and she hates men. Apparently, I don't know, maybe she was, it was attacked a lot while she was there. It was her uterine derangement. She pokes and pushes male visitors. She shoves them into walls. Um, and she likes to roam the hallways and whistle. What's your favorite thing, Erin? I would have a fit. <laughs> she whistles all the time. Oh all my gosh. the live long day. 
Nope. Um, let's see. There is a man by the name of William Cook, Billy. He goes by Billy. He was a resident on Ward 5 and Ward 3. Um, shortly after being committed for one year, he took his own life. He died of shock after turning the hot water on in the bathtub and jumping into it and scalded himself. Oh, my gosh. He was described as intensely demented. Um, he communicates via flashlight sessions wow. in both Ward 5 and Ward 3, centering around the shower room. He also produces loud bangs, rolling and dragging noises, and the sound of footsteps throughout through water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Jesse Albright died in 1949 after living there for seven years in the asylum. He died from organic illness in his body, and his extended family claimed his body, and he was buried on the grounds in the third cemetery. His ghost is reported as a talker who whispers in people's ears, (gasps) and he's known to answer to his own name. He also communicates via flashlight, and he drains batteries. Wow. Yeah. There's some pretty heavy ghosts that are in this place. Um, Jacob was born and grew up in West Virginia. Um, He was released from the asylum and nothing was ever heard from him. Um, But in his life, he was known to be an alcoholic. And while he was in the asylum, um, he slept in one of the oldest wards on the southern end of facility as a ghost. Apparently, he's come back and he interacts with visitors using a flashlight Um, He follows people around, says at times he's cooperative. However, other times he growls at visitors. That part, mm -mm, don't know, don't like the growling. Um, He's probably been walking the hallways of the asylum for years, but was first documented in 2008 by Jason and Grant from Ghost Hunters. Wow. Yep. They got a name. There's a woman by the name of Jane. She died by her own hand in 1884. They don't know how long she was actually at the asylum. Um, She lived on the second floor of Ward B. At this location, many visitors have had contact with an entity named Jane. Visitors have complained of pressure on their chests and a strangling sensation. She, uh, They'll feel a bitter bitter chill in the air, and they'll get spikes on their K2 meter, and then Mm -hmm. they'll feel this pressure and the strangulation. And they've got several EVPs of her. Wow. Um, Larry was admitted on multiple occasions to the asylum, the last time being in 1941. He only had an eighth grade education. He suffered from mental illness, severe mental illness, and was often violent towards others. Um, He was actually arrested in connection to the murder of a local 15-year-old boy that he killed on his way back from church. The little boy was on his way back from church. To his grandmother's home, and his body was found in a cave. The little boy was beaten and buried alive. Um, mm. Larry Larry is usually on the fourth floor. Um, he keeps company with another ghost named Frank, and they're very unfriendly and throw objects at visitors. Okay. Bad dude. Yeah. Um, I feel sorry for Lily. Yeah. If she like really is a little girl. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um... The nurse quarters on the third floor uh, have doors that close by themselves. There's a spirit of a nurse that's seen um, running around the corridor. Mm-hmm. There's a geriatric hallway that has shadow figures and strange noises. Screams and footsteps are heard along with names being called. Yeah. Um, and the ghost of Dean, the sweet man who is a mute, mm-hmm. uh, he haunts that area. 
Um, and apparently there's a nurse named Elizabeth that tends to him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of strange recordings that have been done from a ghost known as Big Jim. Big Jim? Um, mm-hmm. Big Jim. Um, second floor ward two was the scene of a man being stabbed 17 times by another patient. Shadow figures are often reported in the area while across the hall is a room where two patients hung themselves from the curtain rods. EVP recordings in the room include voices telling people to get out as well as calling out the names of the investigators. That's That's creepy. That's never a good sign. And then there's another apparition that they have called the Creeper. Hmm. And this one's actually on video. Oh, no. And it's just a long, big, black shadow that slinks down the wall and down the hallway like a giant snake, and then it just disappears. No. Uh Uh-uh. So, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum is a really bad place. So, you want to go visit? Should we go? Yeah, let's not. Make a vacation It's, It's... Dude, it creeps me out. Like, doing, just researching this place creeps me out. The stuff that happened when it was an active asylum was scary enough. Yeah. And the fact that there's so many bad entities that are still there. So much I bad mean, juju. Pretty, pretty much every single entity that's there is bad. Yeah. Except for, like, Lily and Dean. Yeah. That's terrifying. It's awful. I definitely don't want to visit there. So West no. Virginia, we're not coming to see you either. You're off our list. <laughs> we're getting the list is getting shorter. It's every dwindling. Week. It really is every week. It's awful. I want know? to find a state with no hauntings. I doubt you we'll can, go tell them. I don't ghost think one exists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since you guys don't have I mean, to go to your own, here we go. This place, this place, like you said, was set up for failure. It honestly. was. They all of the the asylums were set up. In such a way that and they I'm sorry, be but if you build a facility that's meant to house only 250 people, why do you allow it to get to the point where there's 2,600 patients? Yeah, unfortunately, this was a time period when when women, especially and minorities, were treated, you know, like animals and property. Mm-hmm. So it was just so easy for people to be like, "Uh, they're not people; they don't matter." So exactly it's a rough time i am surprised to hear that it continued on into the 90s after so many of the mental health reforms but Mm -hmm. that's probably why they got shut down (laughs) well yeah they had multiple reports they were totally ignoring bad i mean the naked people and the feces on the walls and like that's a problem people in cages a problem just not it's not a good thing it's not how you treat people that's a that's a bummer yeah. That's a that's it's, a downer that's story. Bad. That's so sad. I know. Sorry. It was kind of a Jeez. long one, too. Just a long, dark history. Jeez. But I felt like some of these victims, though, they need to be talked about. Like they do. Dean. No, Dean, I agree. It's just, Dean has my heart. Yeah. That's awful. That is. That is so, awful. It's sorry awesome. for the downer, guys. That's okay. I'm going to make it worse. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to make it work. I'm just going to add insult to injury here. Okay. Feel that tingle down your spine? Is someone watching you? What's that shadow? I get it. This haunted tale is a little scary, but it's fine. It's fine. Because you can share that scary feeling and talk it out in our free community. Head to facebook.com backslash groups backslash girls and ghouls to hang out with the rest of our ghoul friends and share your own spooky stories. Okay, enough chit-chat. It's time to get scary. 
So you told a downer story. Mine's worse. No, it's not worse, but it's definitely not better. It's not It's not better. a fun, happy, sunshiny it's kind not. of story. No, it's not. So this week, I'm talking about the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. This is the hotel that American Horror Stories Hotel season was based on. Ugh. Ugh. The problem Ugh. is, is that the story of the Cecil Hotel is by far more terrifying than American Horror Story. Because... Everything that I'm going to tell you prior to ghosts is 100% real, confirmed, all of that. And it's a million times worse than American Horror Story. So, like all things, the Cecil Hotel was built with good intentions. It was built in 1924 by Williams, by Williams, by William <laughs> Banks Hanner. He was, uh, he, he was in the hotel industry. He built a lot of them. Um, and he was very, very confident when he decided to invest $1 million into this hotel. Now, I'm not talking $1 million, like, accounting for, like, inflation and all of that. I'm talking, like, in his time, 1924, $1 million, big bucks. Yeah. Um, this was to be a ritzy, like, destination. Marble lobby, beautiful marble lobby. They had potted palms, so they brought the trees indoor. They had alabaster statuaries, like, beautiful, beautiful building. And for a while, it really was this upscale, you know, vacation place. Like, you know, celebrities and the, you know, the richest of the rich would come stay. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, it was built at a really poor time because uh, shortly after it was built, the U.S. started sinking into the Great Depression. So money was less and less, you know, available. Mm -hmm. um, five years <clears throat> after opening it, they started to see a decline in people coming to stay and by the early 40s the hotel went into a like a steep decline to the point that like we didn't have celebrities coming there's nobody upscale coming and the people that did come were terrified because it was like spitting distance <laughs> from what they call skid row in los uh, angeles where yeah. all of the homeless population was and at that period of time i think it was like 30,000 homeless people living in this area and immigrants and all of that. Um, and most of the people there were um, known criminals. They still kept the hotel open, though. It still looked as grand and ritzy as before. Uh, but then things started to go downhill. And actually, they started to go downhill before the 40s because... Um, in 1931, on November 19th, a Manhattan Beach resident came to visit the Cecil Hotel, and he was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. He had checked into the hotel under the name James Willis from Chicago, and that is the earliest known suicide in the hotel um, out of nearly 20. Wow. Right. So I, they... Chalk that up to a one-time thing. They There's not a whole, like, rigmarole about it. You know, man traveled across, across the country, killed himself in a hotel room. However, then in 1932, a maid found a man named Benjamin Doddich, who was 25, um, and he had died from a gunshot to the head. And he didn't, he didn't leave a suicide note. He didn't leave any information as to why he did it. Nobody knew. It wasn't something that was expected. But he shot himself. In 1934, an Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis Borden was found dead in his room. He had slashed his own throat with a razor blade. Good God. Borden left several notes. One of them cited poor health as the reason for his suicide. He was tired of struggling with his health. So we are up to four suicides within like three years. 
1937, a woman named Grace Magro fell from a ninth story window. There is speculation about whether this was a fall or a push because during this period of time, 1937, the Skid Row population was also very heavily populated with prostitutes and sex workers. So a lot of the time, um, the sex workers would bring their clients to the Cecil Hotel. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the clients were unsavory folk. So she fell from the ninth story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. And she didn't die until later um, at the hospital. So, and they still, to this day, are not able to confirm whether it was an accident, it was purposeful, or someone pushed her. So, there's... So, do they not... They don't know if she was a sex worker or not? Uh, they don't. They don't know what was going on there. Um, there was no indication that she would be suicidal, but there also wasn't any proof that anyone was with her, and there shouldn't have been a way for her to just, like, like, okay, I'm going to jump now. Like, that was... Yeah. So that was the first time someone had jumped from the window. In 1938, a Marine fireman, Roy Thompson, jumped from the top floor and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. He had been staying at the Cecil Hotel for several weeks. In 1939, a Navy officer was found dead in his room after poisoning himself. Yes. So we're still going. We're not even halfway done. (laughs) So after that, 1940... Um, only six months later, uh, a teacher, Dorothy, poisoned herself um, and was reported by the Los Angeles Times to be near death. No further reports were ever published about her condition. She attempted suicide, but there is no report saying that she succeeded. There's no report saying that she failed. There's nothing. So I don't know what happened to her. After that, we get a break. There's no more drama for a little while. And we go all the way to September 1944. And this is when this is when a lot of the like rumors that the Cecil Hotel is cursed started to come about. A young woman named Dorothy Purcell was sharing a room with uh, at the Cecil with a shoe salesman, Ben Levine, who was 38. Ben Levine was married. Uh, he had a wife. He had kids. He was uh, having an affair with this very young woman. And she spent the night with him there and started having horrible stomach pains. She thought she had food poisoning somehow, but she was afraid to wake him up and say there's something wrong because not only was he a married man, he was a a violent man. So she was very afraid of him. So she goes to the bathroom. She's in horrible pain. She's not sure what's going on and delivers a baby on the bathroom floor. And she had no idea. Right. She had no idea that she was pregnant at all. And she also knew that Ben would not be accepting or rational of this. So she went a little bit crazy. So she wrapped him up in a blanket. The baby was a boy. Wrapped him up in a blanket and threw him out the window. Oh, my God. Yes. She threw him out the window. He was he was not dead. He did not die immediately. She thought he was dead, but and she just kind of left. She didn't look into it. But he didn't die immediately. He did eventually. He did pass away. She was charged with murder. But then three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused. And she was eventually found not guilty by reason of insanity. Jesus. She eventually, from what I have read in a couple of places, she eventually killed herself. I can't confirm that, though, because I couldn't find any, like, legit reports. So, Mm -hmm. like, go research, guys. Tell me if she did. So then in 1947, 
a man named Robert Smith died after jumping off the seventh floor from the window. 1954, a stationary employee, Helen Gurney, 55 years old, jumped from the window of her seventh floor room and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. One week prior, she had registered at the hotel under the name of Margaret Brown. At this point in time, people were going, hey, uh, everybody's checking into your hotel and killing themselves. Like, what's, yeah. what's going on here? And it was true. It was turning into a place where, where people would just show up and they would do terrible things and earn the name of the suicide hotel because of this. And um, it was at that point that they started saying, that there was something bad. Like the building was cursed, the ground was cursed. And right around the time of Margaret's, or not Margaret, that's what she put herself in at, um, Helen's suicide is when the rumors started about the, uh, the, the dark force that is luring women out. One woman who is anonymous, she has to be like unnamed, couldn't find anything on her name, but she says that she had been in her room and she heard a baby crying outside and she was very confused because it seemed really close and she looked out the window and saw a baby on the ledge. So she had opened the window and started leaning because there's a baby on the ledge. You're going to bring the baby in. Uh-huh. Um, so she's leaning and leaning and she starts to slip and she catches herself and she looks back and there's the baby's gone. She rushes down, you know, to the lobby. She's rushing outside. There's no baby around. This is when the rumor starts that the baby of Dorothy Purcell is seeking vengeance because all of these women that are nearly falling out are, you know, the same appearance, right around the same age. At least that's what they say. Helen was 55, so that doesn't really fit with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But they they say that this baby is luring women out into suicide to get back at what happened to, to him. Good Lord. Right. So we get another break. Between 1954 and 1962, we don't have a whole lot happen. But then in 1962, Julia Francis Moore jumps from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. She did not leave a suicide note. And they found in her possessions a bus ticket from St. Louis, which was 59 cents, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. There was speculation that she possibly had committed suicide because of, like, financial reasons until they realized that she had money. You know, for, like, 1962, $1,800 for a woman who was not married, that was that was sizable. And mm-hmm. they still don't know why. There was no, like, motivating factor. No one was like, oh, yeah, she was suicidal. But mental health care in that period of time wasn't ideal either. That same year, just a few months later, a woman named Pauline Auden, uh, who's 27, she jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband. Her husband had left the room prior to the suicide. Auden landed on a pedestrian. Oh, um, my God. A pedestrian named George, who was 65, and he died as well because of that. Because there were no witnesses, initially... They thought that they had committed suicide together. No one had seen it. And it was later determined that uh, George, the man who had been fallen upon, had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death. And he was wearing shoes. And had he, you know, jumped with shoes on, then his shoes would have come off. Mm -hmm. They also thought that it was possible that her husband pushed her out. But eventually ruled that out as, you know, he's innocent. He had nothing to do with it. She just jumped because she was stressed out. Again, I don't know how factual that particular ruling is (laughs) (laughs) this seems like a place you could get away with murder and be like oh yeah she had uterine derangement 
So <laughs> this one, uh, the next one is the one that, that is the saddest, I think. There was a woman who lived in the hotel for a really long time. Her name was Pigeon Goldie, and she was a retired telephone operator, and she was found dead in her room. And this was very shocking because she'd lived in the hotel for a long time. She was very poor, but she was often seen feeding the pigeons, and she always wore a Los Angeles Dodgers cap, like, that's all you'd see her in. And people, she was that person that you would always say hi to, that, you know, you ended mm-hmm. up having, like, a relationship with just because she was always out and she was just so sweet and so good-natured. But on June 4th, 1964, she was found dead in her bed. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room <sighs> was ransacked. Near her body was the Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seed. Oh. After her murder, a man named uh, Jacques B. Ellinger was seen walking through... Pershing Square area and the like the place that she typically would feed the pigeons and he was mm-hmm. in bloodstained clothing. He was arrested and charged with murder but was later cleared of the crime and Pigeon Goldie's murder still remains unsolved. So It had to have been him. It had to have well I mean, you'd think so. But there are there's a there are a lot of things that it could have been. In 1975, a still unidentified woman jumped from her 12th floor window and onto the Cecil's second floor roof. She they keep getting higher. Yeah, she registered at the hotel on December um, 16th. So I'm going to go later. I'm going to there are more, but I want to sidetrack here because there are a lot of suicides here and that's scary enough. Um, mm-hmm. But what's even more terrifying is that not only were there uh, a lot of suicides there, the Cecil was the residence for two serial killers. Nice. So um, Richard Ramirez, who was a serial killer and rapist known as the Night Stalker, took residence in 1985 in the Cecil Hotel. And he murdered at least 13 people in a little over a year. So he was a practicing Satanist, and he brutally murdered both men and women using a variety of weapons, um, a hammer, tire iron, uh, handguns, knives, machete. During the time that he was breaking into houses, he was he was a guest. Like, nobody thought much of it. But one thing was off that no one said anything about. After he would go out on his killing sprees, he would come home. He would come back to the Cecil Hotel, take all of his clothes off, all of his bloodstained clothes, throw them into a dumpster, and then walk back into the hotel and go to his room completely naked. No and one. And nobody questioned it. No one questioned it. They were just like, oh, okay, naked man, whatever. But at this point I mean, it is, it is L.A., right? It is L.A., and at this period of time, it's we're, we're in the 80s now. This is 84 to 85. They're... The Cecil Hotel is, is, it's just a crime hotel. It's more of a hostel at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, I, let me explain that a little bit better. The rooms, most of the rooms don't have bathrooms in them. They're just little rooms, shared rooms, and then you have a shared bathroom at the end of the hall. So it, it's more of a hostel and more of a place where you would expect people trying to get away from something or get away mm-hmm. with something to stay. So while that's terrifying, it's not even it's not even like the end of it. Um, a man named Johann Jack Unterweger, an Austrian journalist and author, was staying in the Cecil Hotel, and this was in 91. He was researching a story about a crime in Los Angeles, but Unterweger was a serial killer in Europe, and during his visit to California and his stay in the Cecil Hotel, he murdered three sex workers. He had already been arrested for it in Europe, 
And they didn't know it here in the U.S. when they let him in. Things were a little bit, you know, it was easier to get in mm-hmm. here. But he, they said he was the perfect picture of a man rehabilitated. You know, he was, you know, a good person and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some people are poor judges of character, but, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Johan had a very interesting way of killing his victims. He would always... He would strangle them with their with their undergarments, with their bras. So that's how he did it. And he, he murdered three people. He was arrested and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But the night that he received his sentence, he hung himself in his cell. So he was never, he never really, I mean, he served it, I guess, but on his own yeah. terms. So that brings us up to because this was in 91 that brings us to more recent in february 19th of 2013 a young woman it was in february that she was there a young woman named elisa lamb uh, she was a 21 year old canadian student disappeared and no one knew where she was she had come to los angeles to visit she was a sweet girl but she did have bipolar which is something that People have speculated on a lot. She had bipolar. And uh, when they started looking for her, they went and looked at surveillance footage. And the last bit of surveillance they have of her is of her in an elevator. And her behavior on the elevator is really bizarre. She pushes all the buttons and the elevator doesn't move. And she's looking out of the doors and popping back in like she's hiding from someone. I've seen this footage. Yes. Okay. It's scary. It's terrifying. So they they can't explain it. They said that it was possible that she was having a bipolar episode. However, she had her normal medications in her system. They tried to blame it on drugs, but there were no drugs in her system. But she disappeared. This is where things get gross. They can't find her anywhere. And all of a sudden, the guests start complaining about the water pressure. Water pressure is really low in the hotel. And the water is coming out a funny color. And it tastes funny and smells funny. They complain about it and they, most of the people that are there um, just don't care. Or they go, L.A. water, you know, L.A. water's worse. Well, here's the thing about L.A. Their water, the water in the cities, it's kept in these these big tanks on the top of the buildings. Mm -hmm. And when somebody finally went to investigate what the problem was... They went up to one of the tanks, and this is a 10-foot tank on the roof. Um, not easy to get into. It takes a lot of work. The lid, they said, was like 50 pounds. It's still closed. It's still latched. They open it up, and they find the very decomposing body of Elisa Lamb in the water. She's been in there for a while. She's completely naked. Her clothes Ugh. are in there with her, and they, they deem it as a suicide. That, But <laughs> the problem is, is that this is a small woman. She's smaller than me, you know, very tiny, very, like, thin-framed woman. Mm -hmm. There's no way for her to get access to the roof because the roof is locked. Someone let her up on the roof. You know, they said that she snuck up on the roof somehow. They don't know how she did it. The water tank is also, like I said, 10 feet tall. This is a small woman. There's a ladder, yes, but the lid is so heavy that it would require someone to be on the outside to close it because of the way that the whole, like, water tank is filled. You know, you can't be like... Well, I mean, there might be a ladder to get in. There's not a ladder. there's to, not a ladder to get out. So not. if she got in on her own, there's no way she could have gotten her tiny self back up to the top to close it. To close it. the lid. But it was closed. So there are people who think that she was murdered. However, there was... Nothing was ever proven. It's still, to this day, ruled as a... Pretty much a suicide. 
and that she was crazy. However, if you go and and this is an interesting case all on its own. If you are if you're a true crime fan, go go look into this one. She had a Tumblr account that she updated, and she even updated it while she was in Los Angeles. And one of the things that she had talked about on her Tumblr account was. Uh, someone was after her she was mm-hmm. she was running from someone so she and that died. video that footage of her in the elevator looks like she's trying to get away from somebody i mean it's pretty scary the thing is yeah and this is this is when people started to go like they start resurrecting the whole like what's going on in the cecil hotel mm-hmm. because the other thing here is that she is talking to someone and it looks like they're right beside her there's no mm-hmm. one there there's no one there um and i I personally don't believe that she was just sitting there hallucinating. That's my belief. Just because it, it doesn't, it, none of that adds up to me. But she dies. It does not end there. You would think like, can it get any worse? It, it, you know, there's more. Yes, it can. It can. In June of 2015, a 28-year-old man was found dead outside the hotel. They believe that he committed suicide by jumping from the hotel. Though a spokesperson for the county coroner informed the LA Times that the cause of death has not been determined and has yet to be determined. No one has. And this is three years ago. So nothing's been released about that. So there are at least 16 deaths in the Cecil Hotel that are non-natural causes that are reported as suicide or murder. This excludes the 1940 case of Dorothy Seiger, who was reported to be in critical condition after ingesting poison at the hotel because there's no report as to whether or not she died as a result. And then one of the most interesting things is that in 1947, Elizabeth Short was seen in the Cecil Hotel at the bar. Really? And it was the last time she was ever seen again. And for those of you who don't know, who aren't like true crime junkies, Elizabeth Short is the Black Dahlia. And she was found close by, um, brutally murdered. Um, It was a very, very bad thing. And it's yet to be solved. So there's a lot of speculation about, with all of this happening, is it someone who works there? So the Cecil Hotel has tried to do damage control. I mean, you've got to, right? They've closed down. They've rebranded. They're called. They're they're now like the Stay on Main, and it's still a it's it's still a crazy hotel. It's a scary place to stay. It has fallen into complete disrepair, which is it's such a stark contrast from what it was. If you walk in, the lobby is still this beautiful marble like very ritzy feeling thing, but the rooms are falling apart. There are blood stains still on the carpets that they have yet to replace. The water's... I'm sorry, but if you're trying to rebrand, that's like, the first you gotta thing you take care of. Like, you got to get rid of the bloody carpets. Come on, yeah. people. Um, there's a video of a paranormal team who's going through the rooms and someone had like, you know, pooped on the, on the floor in a corner in an empty room and it was just there. Oh my God. So... I'm sorry, but this, this is like, what was it in my story? The furniture? Yeah. It's like there's not the enough furniture. furniture. Doesn't, yeah, it's 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 what was the word? I can't find it now in my notes. But yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what it was. So let's get into ghosts because this place has had so much tragedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much tragedy that they're actually there there's a lot of ghosts. Now not as bad as you would think, because I'm imagining like poltergeist. You know, yeah. like they're here. But it's not like that. Oddly enough, one of the things that is noticed the most is if you are on the 15th floor or in the elevator and you do any recording, or even if you're not doing recording, it it just is something that people hear, you'll hear the giggling of a child. And no one can explain why. Yeah, no one can explain why because they don't have any records of a child being harmed there or dying there. But 
you hear giggling of a child and people will look to see if there's a kid around. There's not. There won't be any children like even staying there because what kind of psycho would bring your kid to that type of hotel? But you know, who am I to judge? People have reported hearing the sounds of hysterical crying in empty hallways, which I think is a little unnerving. People will leave their room and they'll go out to, you know, try to help try to be good people and be like, what's the matter, crying human person? But no one will be there. Crying human person? Yeah. Um, the hotel staff often reports hearing conversations between a man and a woman from vacant hotel rooms. They'll go and check to see if there are people, like, that have broken in or loitering and all that jazz or, you know, looting or whatever. Empty rooms. Nobody's there, but they hear the conversation plain as day as if they were in the room with them. What? Mm-hmm. Women, only women. And this is, this one weirds me out. Only women will call the front desk and report hearing a baby crying outside of their window. Okay. Mm-mm. No, I don't like that one. No, mm-hmm. and that's what I said. Like, that's, that's weird. I don't like that. There's often thumping heard in the walls where there shouldn't be, like thumping, but it'll sound like somebody's banging on the wall. And sometimes that wall will be the wall on the outside. So, thumping everywhere. I, I particularly don't like that. I Mm-mm. really don't like that. An amateur... I don't like any of this. No, I did all, not. It's all Ugh. bad. It's all bad. All bad. <laughs> there are a lot of reports of a naked, bloody man walking through the halls that will just disappear. Okay. He'll like walk into the elevator and he'll never get out. So a lot of people believe it's Ramirez mm-hmm, because he's a murderer. Because he, yeah, he was always naked and bloody, which nobody thought was weird then. Why do they think it's weird now? <laughs> I'm confused. I'm confused. They, there are the atypical shadows you know creeping along the walls that don't make sense and all of that which you would expect in a place like that the water this grosses me out Mm -mm. the water runs pink sometimes for no reason that's awful and that's since that's since elisa lamb's death by the way that part is the grossest part to me yeah the decomposing body in the water and people were drinking it and showering. Yeah. <laughs> There's like not it. enough bleach in the world. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. I don't like I it. I would be drinking it. I would be like pouring it on. I know. I don't Good like it. God, it's not that's cool. awful. So they don't let a lot of paranormal teams in. The idiot from Ghost Adventures. That we all can't stand. That we Zach all can't Baggins. stand. I apologize, Zach Baggins. I just don't like you. Um, he's don't in- apologize. <laughs> He's a douche. He is. He's like, come take me, spirits. Anyway. Come at me, bro. He wants in there real bad. They will not let him. In fact, they won't let anybody in now unless you are a resident. Um, If you want to go in and tour, you have to get, like, special permission from the people who are own. Why would you choose to live there? I don't know. People choose to stay there because it's dirt cheap. It's dirt cheap. You know? It's also murderer. It's also. Murdery and. So murdery. So they won't let. They won't let anybody but a guest in. So a couple of, uh, like, research teams have gone ahead and booked rooms overnight so that they could get in. And they're not mm. able to bring any of their real equipment with them because they won't let you in. You're not allowed to do it. Because they want to get rid of this, like, tarnished history. They don't want to be mm-hmm. the haunted hotel. They want to be restored to their former glory. But they still... I think at this point... You just can't. Like, that's it. You just... Yeah. It's too far gone. Right. So... An amateur team, and really, when I say amateur team, I mean it's a girl who likes, who's like us. She likes to research these ghost stories, and she realized that this was really close to her. So she was like, hey, boyfriend, let's go. So they go, and they bring their, like, 
the same cameras we have by the way like the exact same ones they're you know carrying them around on little like bendy tripods and they're like not Mm -hmm. expecting and they're like "Ah, it's spooky and then they play it back and while they're on the elevator you can hear growling in their no thank you camera microphone now you guys aren't probably aware of this but as people who work with audio regularly the microphones on standard cameras because we're not talking pro cameras these are like right like this is like a handheld a point and shoot like a vlog style camera right yeah the microphones on those are not super sensitive to sound outside of their own body like they pick up the sounds of the mechanical stuff um Mm -hmm. but you have to be like screaming (laughs) to get yeah clear stuff this is clear as day growling they then end up in ramirez's room Mm -mm. and when they get into that room you can hear plain as day a man say have a seat oh shit uh-huh. And they didn't hear it until they got home. They they didn't hear it. because they So they thought, like, oh, spooky hotel. It's got poop on the floor, but, you know, no ghost. And then they get home, and they're like, <gasps> what? So they hear someone say, uh, have a seat. There was one team that did get to go in years ago. Years ago. And they bring a medium with them. And the medium says that the spirits are dark and have malevolent energy that is not connected to the hotel, like to anything in particular in the hotel, they're just there. So she, the, the mediums weren't sure why they were still there because some of these spirits apparently had nothing to do with Cecil Hotel. Some of them did, but a lot of it was like, this is like a bad dark force and it's causing a lot of mayhem here. Bad juju. Bad juju. We need a young priest and an old priest. Um, all the priests, that's just right. all of them. So this paranormal <laughs> team, it's a small team, like three people, they end up getting permission to go down to the basement. The people, the owner of the Cecil Hotel is like, the ghost stories aren't true. (laughs) Go ahead, go down. We'll prove it to you. (laughs) That's not how it worked. And that's when he stopped letting people in is right after this. He started saying no. So they go down to the basement. Because they did get stuff. They got stuff. stuff. They get to the basement and the medium is like, okay, they're here. There are a lot here. And she's looking visibly ill you know and i don't mm. i gotta be honest sometimes these medium especially the tv mediums are like i sense danger in the force like right like and i don't buy a lot of it this girl looks genuinely ill and then the cameraman and he's he's got like uh his like a little you know it's like a normal camera type thing mm-hmm. like a smaller on one. shoulder yeah a smaller one and then there's someone with a night vision camera like trying to get mm-hmm. the other stuff his battery flies out of his camera oh man like it's not like it just sucks the juice out no it came out of the camera and flew across the room he goes and he picks it up and puts it back in and he's like i don't know what just happened and he's you can see he's like wait what what did i sign up for because this was yeah. his first time having any oh, sort of paranormal bless his experience heart. <laughs> and the medium goes i don't know why but they don't like you as soon as he gets the battery back in he notices that the battery is dead is drained brand new battery mm-hmm. drained and then he starts getting shoved and grabbed and touched to the point that he's like, no, 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 no. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm out. So he's ready to go. And the medium is like, they're they're touching me. Like, and it's it wasn't like poke. It was like all over touching, right? Good God, no. Uh-uh. So they, they book it. And Y'all know how I feel about 
touching. touching don't touch me. And don't take batteries out of cameras, y'all. Come on. Just, this is awful. Come on. This is awful. It is. It's I don't terrible. like it. So there's a lot of that that happens. The paranormal teams aren't allowed in anymore. Um, there are some hobby people who will book rooms overnight because they're crazy. Mm-hmm. They don't let people generally come in to do ghost hunting. There is a story of a man, though, that is not, he's not a spook hunter. He's, he was there for business. He didn't have a lot of money. He was traveling through. He went, oh, this place is reasonably priced. Didn't know the history of the hotel. Mm-hmm. He wakes up in the middle of the night with something strangling him. Oh he can't my God. breathe, but he can feel hands around his throat. And he, like, opens his eyes, you know, the way a person would if they're being strangled. Yes. There's no one there. He physically has to fight something off. He runs out of his room, leaves his stuff, and checks out of the hotel. Has to get someone to go get his stuff for him and refuses to come back damn refuses to come back i would be the exact same way that's what i said i was like nope mm -mm. i don't need that stuff that bad i'm out i'm out and this was like pre-cell phone so (laughs) yeah but yeah and that's reported quite a bit you can apparently feel people you know pressure on your chest and choking sensations and whatnot so the cecil hotel or the stay on main it's, I believe, reopened. It was closed for a little while, but it is, I think, as of right now, reopened. Um, it's still a very reasonable, like, rate to, you know, rent a place if you are into that sort of thing. Oh, wait. I left out one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. So uh, someone was there filming, and they get up to the 15th floor, and in the middle of the floor starts dirt tracks, footprints of dirt. And, like... Are you serious? Dead serious. And also what looks like something being drug into a room that is locked. They ask someone what's in the room and the person goes, huh, I don't have a key. And it was like someone that worked there. He didn't have a key to get into the room because they don't have key cards. They have keys. Yeah. There still, which is insane. But they don't know where the dirt came from. They don't know where it led. But it looked like a like man's footprint dragging something into a room. And then... A lot of it was brought back up a couple of years ago because a photographer was out taking pictures of all the, like, different architecture in Los Angeles. And he took a picture of the front of the Cecil Hotel because it's a beautiful hotel from the outside. Mm-hmm. And in the picture, there is a man standing on the ledge of a window leaning out on the, I think, fifth floor. And they confirmed that that room was empty. No one was there that day. And the man's really? also kind of transparent. But it's full body apparition. It was even on oh the news. It was all over the news. And that man says that, the photographer says that he has had nightmares nearly every day since taking that picture because it was so disturbing. So, there's the Cecil Hotel. It's by far worse than the Lady Gaga thing that everybody was like, oh gosh, American Horror Story. Not that I've seen, I'll be honest, I've never watched that show. But from everything I've read about that particular show and the Cecil Hotel, uh, the truth is by far more terrifying because all that stuff is real. All those people died. And uh, it still continues to be a place where criminals and people who are looking to not be found hang out. Like, there are stories about, you know, people asking for escorts to their rooms. If you go on TripAdvisor and look at the comments and the reviews, people talk about, like, how terrifying the people are in the building. And let's be honest, we don't know if those are people that are alive or just, you know, replays of the past. Serial killers and their victims. This is... Very much like that movie John Cusack did, 1408. Oh, I love that movie. I love that movie too, but it's like, I wonder if the writers took 
stuff from the Cecil Hotel. Because remember in 1408, there's the woman that jumps out the window over mm-hmm. and over. There's the man in the shower that killed himself. There's mm-hmm. um, all these different people who died there that were that killed themselves. Yeah. But, so in the movie, it was all in one room. But yeah. it sounds very much like all the stuff that's happened in the Cecil Hotel. I wonder, well, because that's a Stephen King short story. So I wonder mm-hmm. if... He probably did. Yeah, let's we'll find out. I'm looking at the reviews and stuff. They're terrible. They're like, don't stay here. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. place is cursed. Some people are like, it's great, but if you want to be close to public transport, uh, mm-hmm. one person said, <laughs> the bathroom is really far away from the room, and sometimes I felt scared because of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Go on YouTube, look up, look up different, um, cause it's like I said, they don't let, they don't let legit research teams in. Um, apparently <laughs> my favorite part was finding the video of, um, it was a TMZ video and I, I mean, I don't care about TMZ obviously, but, uh, it was the Zach guy from Ghost Adventures. Really? And he was outside the building complaining. He was like, they won't let me in and I could go in. These people, I could help them. They need help. I could go in with my team, but they won't let oh, me. And God. he's, like, very complaining about it. And I'm just like, honey, sweetheart, go home. His He doesn't want to help anybody. You want to go, like, play with he them. He wants to, yeah. Don't play he with them. He wants stuff to happen. Understand. I don't want to play with, no, I don't want to play with ghosts to people that have jumped off of buildings and possibly, no. like. Because you know what would, no. you know, as susceptible as he is to these things mm-hmm. and as, like, as much as he gets these things fired up, he would probably jump off. The balcony and die. Yep. Like, that would be the end of him. Yep. Or Ramirez would come in and possess him, and he'd be walking around naked looking like a fool. That would be hilarious. I'd be like, dude, (laughs) put some clothes on. Yeah. Put some clothes on. We don't need to see your... I love those the episodes, though, where he takes his shirt off because he's trying to be all big and bad. Have you seen... There's a few where he's like, it's hot in here, and he takes his shirt off, and it's like, dude, you're not even that, like, muscular. You've just got stupid tribal tattoos. Why? Oh, gosh. (laughs) See, I understand why his team quit, why they were like, no, Mm -hmm. we're out. Well, I watched, actually, the guy... uh, who used to do the show with him. Not Aaron, but the other guy. Right. What's his name? I don't know. He does Paranormal Lockdown mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones in my story who caught the creeper on oh. camera. Interesting. Um, and they also had, there's a, I watched the full episode. I'll link to it. It's really good. Really yeah. good. It was very scary. Mm-hmm. Um. That he and this girl that do paranormal lockdown stayed three nights in the asylum because they're crazy and they slept in different parts of the asylum. She slept in the morgue one night, nope, and she heard stuff all night long like there were things mm. rattling around, like it was, yeah. Um, but they invited in Amy Bruni and this other guy. And if you guys are if you guys love ghost stories, you probably know who Amy is. Amy used to do the ghost hunters show and now she owns strange escapes which aaron and i want to do <laughs> they have a like paranormal yeah. cruise that you can take and all this stuff and he, anyway so apparently she and this other guy have investigated the asylum like a bunch of times right a bunch of times and so just to see if anything would happen this guy invited her and this uh, the other guy in i wish i could remember names but um and they were only there for a few hours, but the guy that came with her was like, show me where you slept last night. And so 
he went and laid on the cot. And when they left, it was like pitch black dark in this room. And he didn't stay in there very long because I'm trying to remember his name. I can't remember his name. Let's just say it was Brian. I don't know. That's not his name. But let's just say for the sake of this, it was Brian. He comes out of that room after like 20 minutes and he finds them. And he has on EVP where as soon as he laid down, he's like, if there's anything here, would you like to say anything? And it said, hello, Brian. (gasps) It remembered him. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Isn't that See, creepy? I don't want that. I don't want that. Uh-uh. No. But it remembered his name. It remembered him because he'd been there so many times. And, and it, it just... picked up his name and said it very clearly on EVP. I mean, that's almost sad, though. Like, if you think about it, that means that they're aware. Yes. That's even scarier to me if they're aware. They're that aware of the people who come in. I don't like it. Because you, like, you, you hear stories sometimes of these people who go to these investigations or they work at a place that's supposedly haunted and they take things home with them. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, it's scary to me. That is That's scary. why I don't mess around with this stuff. Like, I, no. I don't mind talking about it. But I don't want to bring anything home. Nope. I don't want to. I don't want to stir the pot. Nope. Just to see what's going to happen. Nope. Like, and there are definitely different levels of this stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are places that I will absolutely go, and then there are places that I absolutely will not go. Because like the handprint know. place that you talked the about. The handprint that's place. Not that's not scary. Cool. That's so cool. It or is cool. I live, you know, like 40 minutes, not even, from Gettysburg, and that's like a huge historical place. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about Gettysburg last episode. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go there and not worry. And I've been there a million times. I'm not yeah. worried about bringing stuff home. But, like, this but. asylum and Eastern State and Pennhurst. Heck no. no. Absolutely if not. If I go to Pennhurst, it's going to be to be like... I'm sorry, tiny children who are trapped here. Go in the tiny name of children. Jesus. And from henceforth, mm-hmm. do not scream. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, stop screaming because it's real scary. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. I don't want to bring that crap home. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm. Well, this was extra creepy episode. Extra creepy. <laughs> You're welcome, guys, for the nightmares. I feel like I need to go, like, cleanse myself in holy water now. <laughs> that's what I told John, that I'm going to get, like, a super soaker. And it's gonna mm-hmm. be it's gonna be like the Lost Boys style with mm-hmm. holy water. And I'm just gonna sit in my bed. <laughs> we both need to go get little handheld water guns yeah. when I come next week. There we go. And holster them the whole time. That's what People I'm be like, do. "What is going?" Or like, "Holy water, just leave us alone." You don't understand. You just don't <laughs> get it. Well, I think well, that that's it, guys. Scary. Yeah. Have fun um, with your nightmares. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> send us your ghost stories girls and girls, girls podcast at gmail.com yes we have cute little pearl stickers and we'll send those to you with a little handwritten note and tell you that you're awesome and scary <laughs> terrifyingly awesome yes That's so we'll thanks for listening we'll chat with you next week bye thank you so much for listening to girls and ghouls Don't forget to subscribe to Girls and Ghouls on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star review or tell us how scared you were on social media. You can tag us with hashtag girlsandghouls or tag us at girlsandghouls. Until next time, stay scared, friends.